What is the number one question a pre-health professional advisor is asked? What is the concept of parallel planning? What is the biggest mistake made by pre-med students? And finally, is there a pre-med club at University of Idaho? Of course there is. Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Liz, pre-health professional advisor at the University of Idaho. Go Vandals. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, uh, I have another great guest today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got Liz. Hello, Hello Liz. Hello, Dr. Chan. Thanks for having me here today. So I made the uh, the pilgrimage, the drive up here to, how do, how do we say it again? Moscow. Moscow. Mm-hmm. Moscow, Moscow, Idaho. Yes. Home of the Vandals, mm-hmm. University of Idaho. And you're the pre-medical advisor. Yes, I'm the pre-health professions pre-health advisor professions. here at the U of I. Okay. Yes. Fantastic. Well, let's talk about it. So uh, what's what's the number one question students ask you when they come in to meet you for the first time? Oh, gosh. What should I major in? That's probably the number one question uh, because uh, students still seem to um, believe that they need to major in, in pre-med if they want to go to medical school or pre-dentistry if they want to go to dental school. So um, that's something that I try to work with students on you know, early on in the process is that, that concept of parallel planning so that they are picking their major based upon their interests, their aptitude, and uh, their alternate career plan if they change their mind about going into healthcare. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. is that message well-received or... Yes, for the most part, it is. Um, I think that it is well received. Uh, there are still some who say, "But no, I want to. I want to major in pre med." Mm-hmm. Um, so then I explain to them that's what my role is here at the U of I is to help customize their uh, professional development um, pathway for them to meet their needs while they work with their degree advisor regarding whatever they're majoring in. Does the U of I do you identify students coming in out of high school coming here who are mm-hmm. pre med or, or? I mean, at what point do you kind of? Encounters. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So, you know, I'm relatively new to this role. I've Mm -hmm. uh, started uh, two years ago. And so the process that we've put in place, we do um, some initial information gathering when the students do their initial application to the University of Idaho. Um, That's when we allow them the opportunity to identify a pre-health profession's interest. Um, And like I said, I work with the broad broad spectrum. So that could be pre-med, pre-dental, pre-PA, or pre-occupational therapy. Um, whatever their their primary interest is. So they identify that on their application. That allows me to then start doing some reaching out to them once they are on campus. And then we revisit that, um, that I guess, prioritization as far as exactly what they're wanting to focus on and whether mm-hmm. or not they still want to go down that particular path. And how often do you meet with them? Like once a year or a couple times a year? Or? Oh, um, well, it really varies depending upon where the student's at in their journey. Um, and that's, you know, students will say like, how, how often can I come see you? And I'll say, well, you know, hopefully not daily, but as often as they feel they need to. Um, I would say the standard is once a semester. I encourage students to reach out at least once a semester just to do um, kind of a holistic review of where they're at with, um, with their preparation and and um, I do some advising as far as course sequencing just for their pre-health professional mm-hmm. goals. Uh, and then they also meet with their degree advisor. We have mandatory advising here on the U of I campus. So they okay. meet with their degree advisor once per semester as well. If they don't show up, mm-hmm. what's the consequence? You say it's mandatory. Uh, I'm mandatory just... advising. So with their degree advisor, if they don't show up, they have a hold on their account. Okay, and they so that's can't bad. Register. It's like, like yeah. you don't pay your library fines. They <laughs> exactly. will hold up your degree. Yep. Okay. We will, well, we will hold up their registration. Okay. And um, you know, it's really we want to make sure the students are making informed decisions about mm-hmm. their classes. And so we require them to touch base with their degree advisor. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Then, um, biggest mistake you see? Biggest mistake that I see um, is probably trying to do 
all of the things all of the time right away from the second they start as a freshman. Like freshman. Um, wow. Box checking. You know, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Like, well, I need to do all of these things to be a competitive applicant. So I'm going to do this, 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 this. And and um, and the burnout. And they, they focus so much on doing what they think they need to do that they don't do the things they enjoy. And, you know, I always tell students... Um, if you focus so much on doing the things that you think you need to do, you're going to lose touch with who you are and what mm-hmm. makes you unique and interesting, and you're going to be shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And do you feel that this is becoming worse? I mean, is this kind of a quote-unquote millennial issue, or how would you describe this? I I don't know that I have enough history to uh, to really identify whether it's getting worse, since I've, I've just been in this role for two years. Um, I think that it really varies from student to student, uh, that... Just that that self that pressure they put upon themselves. Um, I think we definitely are seeing more parental involvement, and mm-hmm. so there is more. You know, well, my mom said I need to do this. Or my dad said I need to do this, um, and that that pressure. And so we try to. Do you ever meet with the student and the parents? I have done that. Is that, is that normal? I, is that expected? or No, okay. that's not. I would not say that that's normal or expected. My preference is always to meet with the student, and okay. then if the parent has questions, to encourage the, the student to engage in that conversation with their parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have had a couple situations where I've had a parent contact me and say, oh, I'd like to talk about my daughter's plan. And and so at that point, um, my, my suggestion is, great, let's set up a telephone uh, conference call if your daughter's open to it, and the three of us can talk together Mm -hmm. so then we'll we'll involve the student in that um because it's the student's academic journey and they're an adult yeah we need to treat them as such yeah but at the same time i'm a parent i understand that you know Mm -hmm. the parents want to be involved and they care but we can we can help guide the student while maybe also helping to guide the parent as well and yeah. yeah, I yeah, I think well, I'm a child psychiatrist, mm-hmm. so I, I know the dynamics intensely between mm-hmm. a child and their parents, and yeah. it's it's hard to separate that at times. And and to me, it's like this individualized approach. Uh, you know, I, I get the sense from you, Liz, it's like the same way. You know, you prefer X, but you can do Y too, mm-hmm. and everyone's a little different. And yep, like I tell people, like you see on your wall, we're all snowflakes. We're all different personalities mm-hmm. and different ways of approaching things. Yeah. So so great. Uh, pre-med club here is yes. there, is there, tell me about that do you have so one? Okay. yes we okay. do we have a, a pre-med club here on campus they're a great group of students they work together to uh, get involved in community service activities they're doing some outreach with um, special olympics so they're actually doing a oh, cool. project this coming weekend on their their homecoming weekend and they're all getting up early on a saturday morning to go um, i think our team of students is going to be scorekeeping for bocce ball um, at the regional games for special olympics uh, they have reached out and done volunteering at some of the local Local care centers. They also bring in guest speakers and do a lot of information sharing with their younger peers. So okay. they're a great group. Um, not every student feels the need to join pre-med club, even mm-hmm. if they're pre-med focused. So we also have pre-med students who are part of our biological engineering club and, and they have more of a kind of biomedical focus. And uh, we have a HOSA chapter on our campus. So Health Occupation Students of America. And okay. Some students choose to take that route. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, you know, we were talking before we started uh, and you mentioned that this is a new role. How mm-hmm. did you find yourself here? You know, it's kind of that oh. one song, like, how did I get here? How did you know, I get here? This is not my beautiful wife or life. Or how's that <laughs> yeah, so, no, I, yeah. I love I love yeah. my life where yeah. I've landed yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so I actually spent, uh, oh, over the past you know, about 13 years working in, in uh, the field of working with adults with intellectual disabilities. And mm. so I was the director of an intermediate care facility for adults with intellectual disabilities. And I did that um, for... 
little over 10 years um, prior to taking that position, I worked as our nursing department coordinator and got to just get to see a lot of the behind the scenes aspects of healthcare, working with the pharmacists and working with um, the physical therapists and occupational therapists and speech language pathologists uh, to, to coordinate that whole treatment plan. And um, I loved my job, but uh, 24 hour uh, healthcare, as I'm sure you know, as a physician, can be mm-hmm. a little grueling and yeah. being on call, and you don't get to shut down on Christmas. And so uh, this opportunity presented itself, and I, I kind of made that uh, made that leap and transition. Yeah, very cool. I love love the opportunity I have here to work with some fantastic students. Yeah, yeah. I, we were talking earlier again, like we've seen more and more University of Idaho students. Uh, uh, apply and also matriculate at our medical school, and mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the reasons why I said ah, I need to come up here to to Moscow. Uh huh. Moscow, not Moscow. <laughs> Moscow. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like those uh, those chips, uh, Boise's. I, everyone down in Boise corrects me. You know, I remember those potato chips growing up. Uh, the Boise. Oh, Boise's. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm mispronouncing all the. I, I grew up cities. in Alaska, not not here. I don't know if we had those chips. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more of you mm-hmm. about like uh, you know for all of the Idaho. You know, high school students out there mm-hmm. or, you know, not necessarily Idaho, Washington State, California, Oregon. Why should they choose to come here? Why, why oh, U of I? Yeah. Well, because you went, you went here as an mm-hmm, undergrad, I did. Right? Okay. I did. Okay. Um, so, you know, first off, I think, you know, I meet with a lot of prospective students who come to visit campus with their parents. And I always encourage them to... Uh, just to explore all of their options and go tour every campus, you know, that they're interested in if they have that possibility. Uh, because the reality is U of I may not be the right fit for every single student. Um, but the things that I think really make our campus stand out and that do connect with the students that we do bring in here are um, the kind of tight-knit community we have here, both in Moscow as well as on the campus. Um, I I hear firsthand from students how supported they feel by by the faculty, um, the access to undergraduate research. Uh, we have really some fantastic resources on campus in our career services office. Um, we have an entire uh, department that focuses on um, community action and volunteerism and pointing students in the right direction, getting them involved with alternative service breaks. And mm-hmm. there's just so many different um, just possibilities uh, that you know students can take advantage of. And when I was driving in, I noticed a lot. I, I think a lot of dorms. Do most mm-hmm. of the students live on campus, or yes. do some of them live over in the town itself? Uh, during the first year, students are required to live on campus, okay. outside of maybe some you know special case, special yeah, occasions, yeah. Uh, special uh, situations. But yes, uh, they live on campus. So either in the dorms, or some students do elect to uh, go the Greek life route and okay. live. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you go the Greek life route? No, okay. I did not. <laughs> nope, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I'm lo- checking out your walls. I don't see any Greek paraphernalia. No. So, but I do see a lot of vandals. Let's talk about the vandals uh-huh. real quick. So, yeah. tell me about the vandals. Oh, the, the vandals. Mascot. The yeah. mascot. So, Joe. Joe is our mascot. Joe Vandal. And um, really, you know, it's it's probably one of the more misunderstood. You know, people think the vandals. What does that mean? But um, like Joe the Vandal, the, the Viking. Yes, yeah, okay. and uh, he's a he's a great mascot. We're really proud of him. And um, was yeah. Joe a common Viking name back he, in the uh, day? No, 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 okay. no. Joe was not. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, okay. I, I haven't checked my historical facts, but no. Okay. And so the so. colors are black and gold. Uh, the colors are actually silver and gold, oh, okay. but we interchangeably use the black and gold okay. and silver. Right. And but our official colors Sam are. Uh, yeah. yeah, brave and bold, silver and gold. Yeah, All that's right. our motto. Well, last question, Liz. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about success stories. So, okay. and 
This is a shout out to all the students out there. So after one of the students get in to mm-hmm. medical school that you've yeah. worked with, how does it feel when they let you know that? Or they? Oh, it's amazing. Um, it's an amazing feeling when when they get into to medical school or any of their their health professional goals, mm-hmm. um, whatever whatever program it is they're applying to. Um, and you know, really, I just feel so thankful that I get to play a part in this this journey that they're on and, and having been any part of, of, of that pathway that they, you know, they've, they've gone down and, um, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I love it when students, um, come by to tell me and we get to do the, you know, celebratory, like, you know, jumping up and down and squealing or mm-hmm. uh, when, when I get an email from a student with the news that they've been, uh, they've been admitted. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. It's a great feeling. One of the student. things that I really like to see, and it doesn't always happen, but that's mm-hmm. why I'm saying it is I like it. Uh, when students get into medical school, they contact everyone that helped them on that journey, mm-hmm. as you said. And it breaks my heart sometimes because sometimes I talk to other pre-med advisors uh-huh. and they found out so-and-so who they worked with very closely for many years, got into medical school, and they find out through me oh. and not through the student themselves. Yeah. And, and then I like to, next time I see that student on campus, I try to shame them, going like, you should really have thanked your pre-med advisor. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry, Dr. Chan. So I, I can't, I mean, I've only been doing this for a couple years, uh-huh. but I, I have not yet experienced that. I mm-hmm. um, have been very very lucky. I have students who thank me on a regular basis, whether whether they're at the point of applying and getting accepted or not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, hey, thanks for helping me figure out my schedule or thanks for taking the time to talk to me about this or that. And so, yeah, that's one thing I'd say. I, I don't know if that's just unique to our campus, but our, our students are um, really go above, above and beyond to show their gratitude and appreciation. That's great. So. And I guess, you know, with your students, with the unique relationship mm-hmm. uh, that Idaho has, uh, I guess there's two main schools you recommend as far as mm-hmm. medical schools, uh, University of Washington or Whammy and the U. Yeah. Um, do you counsel students to apply to both or like how do those discussions go? Um, so those discussions, you know, really, I, I would definitely encourage the students to apply to more than two schools. Uh, okay. So, you All know, right, we talk good. about yeah. what's right for the student. We talk how many about schools what the, do you, do you, you recommend? Know, well, I, I, it's customized per the student. I tell them to, you know, the average would be about 15 schools. MDNDO. If a student was to go over that amount, we might talk about why they were looking at applying to more. Is that a good use of their resources? Um, University of Utah, with our partnership with the state of Idaho and the University of Utah, I tell students to make sure that they are mapping them to, themselves towards meeting the uh, requirements for University of Utah. And then also University of Washington. But outside of that, students pull in schools. Um, and we have students going to schools, uh, Northwestern, Case Western Reserve, Colorado, um, Tulane. We've had you know students, they go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, University of Washington, University of Utah are definitely at the top of every student's list, <laughs> yeah. but um, students, yeah, go to a broad number of different locations for their medical school education. Wow, that's great. That's great, Liz. Well, I appreciate you coming on the pod. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing some words of wisdom. Any other final you know thoughts for all the pre-meds out there? Uh, go talk to your advisor. That's my my <laughs> advice. I'm always amazed when a student comes in and they'll say, well, I'm getting ready to apply. And I thought I should come introduce myself and say, like, well, I've been here for two years. Where have you been? And and then usually they, they were just they were shy. They didn't want to come see me. And um, I always have an open door policy and try to make students feel comfortable. And there there are no dumb questions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, encourage students. I, w- I would encourage each of you to go talk to your advisor. Um, if you, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable asking questions of your pre-health professions advisor there is um, an entire wealth of resources available online through the AAMC just mm-hmm. you know this is your journey take control of it and do your research and make informed decisions that's great 
Well, thank you, Liz. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for having me come up here. I look forward to coming back. It was a gorgeous drive. I flew into Spokane, drove down. Mm-hmm. Um, I can talk about this. Uh, like you cautioned me that the <laughs> town of Colfax, Colfax, Washington, is a not- notorious for pulling over people. Yeah, they so, do. They watch their speed. Yeah, in Colfax. And so I was told the exact same thing when I rented my car. Uh, so this seems to be common knowledge. Mm-hmm. It is. And it I is. drove through Colfax. Everyone. <laughs> Uh, was 10 miles below the speed limit. I uh-huh. still saw two cops. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't see these people speed, but I uh-huh. still ta- saw two cops pull. You know, they had pulled people over like 10 to 15 mm-hmm. minutes before I got there. So it's true. Like, I was just amazed. Like, it oh, is. here's Colfax, Washington, and I saw two cop cars. Well, it's a yeah. major highway going through a small mm-hmm. town, so they want to monitor that. While we're on the topic, mm-hmm. I get we go on tangents. Is it mm-hmm. normal to fly into Spokane drive down, or do you use the Pullman Airport? Or what's, what's normal for you? Uh, it really depends. It is okay. pretty normal for uh, students when they're going home to fly out of Spokane. There's okay. more flights going in and out, and it's a little bit cheaper. Um, but if they can get in and out of Moscow Pullman, that's fine, too. Then, then there's... Typically, but they have to fly to Seattle usually. Uh, right? You yeah. have to. You're routed Connector. to Seattle. Okay. Um, sometimes you can go to Lewiston, which is you'll drive through. They're on your way to Boise, yeah. um, so about you know, 30 minutes down the road from us, and that's another airport okay. option. Because so. uh, yeah, when I looked at it, mm-hmm. it was easier just to fly in to Spokane because there was a direct flight from Salt Lake City to Spokane, just drive on down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I looked at the Pullman Mos- Moscow Airport, mm-hmm. but it was like I had to fly to Seattle, have a layover, fly to Seattle, and it would yeah. cost much more. Lewiston, money. Idaho, might be another option, okay. and I think they may have a direct to Salt yeah. Lake, but I'm not. I've I, learned I, something. I too. can't go on the record with that. I'm okay. not sure, but well, I think they might. Well, yeah. well, it's a gorgeous drive. Yeah. Thanks well, I'm for glad you enjoyed here. it. Thanks right. for coming. All right, thanks, Liz. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.